Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Today on the Colonial Conversation, I am joined by Pastor Brandon Hamilton, the youth pastor here at Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And uh, we are continuing a series where we talk to different people, uh, different ministry leaders and pastors, and ask them about uh, their department and how things work and how they think about it. And so, uh, Pastor Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. Yeah, let's go ahead and just kind of start with a little bit more of the uh, autobiographical, if you don't mind. How is it that you ended up as youth pastor at Colonial? Well, how far back do you want me to go? Uh, birth. <laughs> just yeah, I was born in Arizona. <laughs> uh, no, um, so I grew up in a, a ministry home. My dad was a youth pastor when I was growing up, and so I saw that in several different ministries. And then he transitioned into... Uh, administrator of my Christian school that was a ministry of my church and so I saw ministry all growing up um, really enjoyed it really my parents got me involved in that and I really felt called to full-time ministry probably around the age of 16 or 17 and really started being focused on that I went to college for youth ministries at Bob Jones University I had a counseling minor as well Um, so I really knew that God was pointing me towards youth really had a burden to see young people dedicate their lives to Christ, uh, get to know him more, grow more. Um, And then the Lord also used a summer that I counseled at a Christian camp to really kind of focus me even more on on young people and uh, working with with teenagers specifically and really enjoyed that. Um, And then I worked, ended up working four years at that camp full time. And Pastor Phelps was down there for a conference and he was speaking and Someone had recommended me to potentially candidate as the youth pastor here. So he came and ate lunch at our house, visited with us, and then a couple months later we candidated uh, here at Colonial and were voted in and came in in January 2015. Hmm. Um, You've touched on this a little bit, but this was a question that I'd asked uh, Pastor Andy last week and it was really interesting to see the answer to it. But how did God prepare you for this position? Yeah, uh, like I said, saw ministry growing up and also there was several men in my life that were in the ministries that I was involved in that really lived out Christ's likeness to me and I wanted to be like them. Um, So I watched it growing up and again my desire to be a youth pastor goes back to when I was a teenager and really watching some of those those men um, minister to me and their uh, their their genuineness. I don't think that's a word. I couldn't think of the right word. But they were genuine in how they lived out their faith. And um, that just really impacted me as a teenager. And uh, again, even tying back into how the Lord led me into be the youth pastor here, as I was working at camp, I just kept having this growing burden to preach. And had opportunities at camp, but not as many as I really felt like the Lord had, had gifted me for and wanted me to use more and build in that area. Um, and the Lord just continued to, to build that burden to preach and explain God's word. And again, in college, I had some opportunities uh, to counsel, um, worked at a full-time Christian camp, and uh, really, it really goes back to people have invested into me, and I saw the change in my life, and I uh, wanted to be able to impact others in a similar way as the Lord saw fit. Yeah, so th- here's a question uh, just kind of came to me. Uh, you mentioned that you grew up in a pastor's home. Yeah. And that that created a desire to be in ministry. Now, even as we're thinking about teens, I know there's a lot of young people growing up in ministry homes where they have the opposite reaction. They don't really want anything to do with ministry or, in some cases, even Christianity. Uh, What do you think made the difference for you? Well, I saw my parents at home as well. It wasn't like they came home from ministry and just thought, man, I hate this. Those were long hours. I can't take this. There was a joy in it. And 
their testimony at home was consistent to what I saw at school or church um, in those ministries. And I saw them pouring their, their lives into it and enjoying it and also enjoying people and connections being made and just the joy of serving the Lord. And also, big time for me, it wasn't like they ever said, Brandon, this is our ministry and didn't get me involved in it. And so I was always there. I was always helping. And it, it was fun. Um, obviously, there were some times where difficulties came and I saw some things that uh, I thought, I've got enough of my own burdens to be carrying. <laughs> um, but the Lord stretched us as a family through that as well. And I just saw the joy at home um, and it was consistent. Hmm. Um, and it was just kind of life of ministry. And uh, it wasn't something that, that repelled me. In fact, it kind of attracted me towards it. Hmm. So the joy and the consistency, you say, would say would be the big two. Yeah, and um, it, it wasn't like they were two different people. and. Yeah. Uh, they, they enjoyed it and instilled that joy in us and got me involved. Um, and I felt like I had a part, a meaningful part in, in their ministry as well. Hmm. Interesting. Good stuff. I know, um, you know, we've got a, I've got a little daughter and another one on the way. And I didn't grow up in a ministry home, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get that perspective. You know, what was it that, uh, that uh, was attractive and appealing to you about Christianity growing up in your uh, in the home? Yeah, and just to add to that, maybe um, they didn't neglect their ministry to me. Hmm. Uh, because I think sometimes in ministry families where the children kind of do drift away from it, it's because they felt like mom and dad were more invested in others than in me. And uh, I never felt like that. Um, there were seasons where I knew that there was something really heavy that they were dealing mm-hmm. with, and I could tell that they were distracted. Um, but I never felt like they didn't care about me or, um, or were concerned with what was going on in my life. They ministered to me as well. That's good. Um, as we kind of broaden out and we, we talk about your position now as a youth pastor, what would you say are some of your primary goals as a youth pastor? Yeah, um, there's a lot of them. I'm not going to talk about every single one. I'm not going to be able to be exhaustive in this, but I, I was kind of thinking about this. And uh, obviously, I, I've developed a youth ministry philosophy. And one of my umbrella goals is simply I want our teenagers to get to know God. Um, and as they get to know God, to love God and everything needs to fit under that and before I came to be the youth pastor here I I sat down and wrote down some very specific goals Um, and I'll read through a couple of them and feel free to chime in Ben and ask some questions but number one is just to purposely minister God's Word I mean ministry has to be focused around God's Word and there's two purposes to that see the lost come to Christ because obviously the purpose of the church and ministry is to see people saved and trust Christ as our Savior, but also to see believers grow in Christ's likeness for the glory of God. Um, and as you read kind of the pinnacle passage on uh, the scriptures when Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, it's really been impacting to me in 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17, but continuing the things that thou hast learned. And like I said, I have a, I have a history of um, being taught a lot of scripture and ministry and do much is given much has been required and so i wanted to give back but also scripture is profitable for doctrine for approval, for, for correction and for instruction in righteousness and it helps in all those different areas um so really number one is uh ministering the word of god to see people saved and to see pe- people grow that's number one um and then also i never want my role as the youth pastor to be anything different and conflict with the goal of the church. Um, the mission of our church as a whole, 
Um, I need to fit underneath of that. I'm never to usurp that. I'm never to replace that. I'm not building a miniature church across the street in our, in our youth center. Um, I'm trying to tie in to what Pastor Phelps is doing here with families because um, families is the core of, of ministry. Huh. Yeah, and then um, I'll, I'll move on to my goal number two. It really ties into what I just said was to support, assist, and encourage parents in the biblical discipleship of their teens. Um, I can never replace what should be happening in the home. I can support it. And when maybe it falls short in certain situations, the church is called to come alongside. But really, as you look at Deuteronomy 6, and I know you and Pastor Andy talked about this last week, um, families, dads, moms are supposed to give the word throughout the day. Uh, When you rise up, when you sit down, when you eat, when you walk in the way, and um, really to try to minister to families, I've learned the longer I've done this, that uh, the better relationship I can have with the parents, the more effective I am going to be with the teenagers um, and even to, to help them. Um, and Psalm 78 says the same thing. That, And it's interesting as you read through that passage, it's a multi-generational ministry model. And so as the parents invest in the kids, and as you notice through that passage, it talks about you're supposed to point them to the wonderful works of God. And that goes back to my main goal of allowing our teenagers to know God. Um, and that's going to make them serve him and they set their hope in him. So, you know, I think if you tell most people that you're a youth pastor and one of your goals is to give them the word of God, everyone kind of nods their head and they're like, oh yeah, right, you're a youth pastor, you do a lot of preaching. Like they see how that works. I think for a lot of people, just with the model that we have set up that we typically default to, uh, when it comes to uh, partnering with parents, you know, I think that that may be one where, where a lot of people, you know, think, what, what do you mean partner with parents? You drop the, you know, the parents drop the kids off, the kids learn the Bible, the parents pick the kids up. What are some ways that you try to flesh that out to say, hey, we want to have a relationship with the parents. We want to keep this going. Like, how, how does that goal impact the way your ministry looks? Yeah, and I'm in no way claiming to be perfect in this, um, but I have intentionally instilled a couple things in our ministry. Um, number one, uh, in the summers, pastor's been gracious enough to allow me to have four or so weeks to really uh, get in with the parents and have a a Sunday school class. We call it our ABF Hour Adult Bible Fellowship and really try to create some relationships with the parents. Um, I've also done, um, and our coronavirus pause (laughs) has kind of stopped some of these, um, but family nights and youth group. I want the parents to have an open door policy to youth group to see what we're doing, to be able to get on board, to hear what I'm preaching. Um, And then even just practically every day, my job is to, and one way I can partner with the parents is really to point the kids to the parents. Uh, so when they come to me for counsel, one of my first questions is always, hey, have you talked to mom and dad about this? Okay, well, I think it's going to be really important for you to have victory here, to get help here, or uh, to be consistent in this area. And hey, I'll, I'm willing to go talk to them with you because uh, this is not something I'm going to try to keep secret from them. <laughs> um, and then also just to keep that door of communication open. I try to have communication open, um, and um, it, it's been it, it's been a blessing to get to know the families more and to see that grow and change. Uh, and then uh, also just one thing that's been interesting to me as I was studying through this exact thing, the Bible ends, the Old Testament, excuse me, ends with Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And there's a prophecy given about someone who's going to come and preach in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the children of the fathers and the fathers to the children. And then Luke 1 
opens up and it talks about John the Baptist being this man who's preaching in the power and spirit of Elijah and he's turning the hearts of the children of the fathers. And it's interesting there, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ and his job was to prepare people's hearts for the way of the Lord. And so again, there's a whole lot of ramifications prophetically there, but one way we can prepare hearts for the way of the Lord and the work of the Lord is to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and vice versa. And that that cultivates the soil for God to be working in their hearts. Yeah. Any other goals that you wanted to go over? Or yeah, um, those are two, two of the main ones. Um, and uh, again, one, one other big one that I've, I wrote down that we really work on and try to give opportunities is I want our teenagers to be active in the church and have a meaningful role and to grow in their spiritual gifts. And so what that means is I've got to create some opportunities for them to exercise their spiritual gifts. Because uh, a lot of times I think teenagers are like, hey, when I graduate college and I'm trained and then I'll start serving God and then I'll start doing things. Um, but really, I take them to 1 Corinthians 12 very often. Hey, are you part of the body of Christ? Yes. <laughs> so you have a very important role in the body of Christ. God has gifted you spiritually. It may not be like the person sitting next to you. Um, it's not but you are called to fulfill that, that role within the body of Christ. And so we do that with, with mission trips. We do that with some children's ministries. Our teens are pretty active in children's ministries. Uh, mission trips are probably our main focal point for that. But throughout the year, we try to give them opportunities. Our teens are active on every Sunday, working in our, our children's ministries and giving the word. I know that um, one of the things I really appreciated this year is, you know, as you were preparing for a uh, mission trip, one of the things I overheard you saying was that this year, one of the things you would have them do is to go and, you know, do door-to-door and, and visitation, those types of things for the church, because oftentimes they would go and do that on mission trip, and it's almost kind of like, yeah, we go and we do that for such and such Baptist church, you know, 400 miles away, and not make the connection, like, yeah, but we do that here at, at Colonial, too. Like, this, this ought to be a lifetime of ministry. I thought that was a really in, insightful perspective. Yeah, I was... I came back multiple times from mission trips, and I was almost slightly convicted because they had we we had so much fruit that happened from that, and then I was like, they're not doing it that much here, <laughs> and so I, I just thought, man, I want to give them a vision for Indianapolis, yeah. um, which is the city where our church is located, and we have outlets for that. And again, I want them to be involved and not just say, hey, when I turn 20 or hey, when I'm older, a college student, I'll I'll go out. But I want them to be. Um, focused on evangelism and have a burden for lost souls. And uh, I want them to have opportunities to disciple others. And typically, the way that fleshes out is somebody who's younger. And so that's why we have them pretty heavily and cautiously involved in, in children's ministries. Um, this is a question that I've, you know, I've saved till this point. This is probably one of the first questions that people think to ask. I know as a youth pastor, you probably get asked this a lot. Um, what do you, what do you see though as some of the major problems that are facing teenagers today? Yeah, and again, I don't want to get too deep in the woods because you can talk about a, a lot of things here. Um, but one of the big things that I I've noticed in general, and we'll start with that, not even in the church yet, is just a, a lack of hope for young people. Um, and I mean that comes from just even Psalm seventy eight. The goal of ministry is to set their hope in God. And as you look around in, in young people, you see them being 
given all of these empty promises that, hey, you'll be satisfied if you try this and you'll be satisfied if you're a part of this. And um, usually it's sinful and they keep getting all these promises that money's going to satisfy and fame's going to satisfy and pleasure's going to satisfy. And they try all of them. And they have so many opportunities to do that, especially with the internet now, and they have so much information at their fingertips. And they try all of it and they're just like, this is meaningless. And they've come to the right conclusion that there's no hope in anything in this earth. Um, but they really need to come to the conclusion that uh, their hope's in Christ. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set the world in, in our hearts. And that word world uh, has to deal with eternity. And we're eternal beings and nothing on this earth is going to satisfy. And so really as you even read through Psalm 78, I encourage you if you're listening to this podcast to read through. We don't have time right now. Um, but this intergenerational ministry, the whole purpose of it is so that they set their hope in God. And so that's a, a big general problem I see um, in uh, young people. But then also culturally here in America, we deal with a culture that doesn't like absolutes. And so our young people are, have fallen for that mindset a little bit. You can't tell me there's an absolute truth. You can't tell me that that's right for me. It might be right for you. Um, but really trying to get them to see that God's word is absolute truth. There's reality and there's a false reality that we create for ourselves. Um, so that's another big issue I see. I, and I even jumping in on that, working with you know young adults, you know, our, our ministries kind of like blend in a little yeah. bit. They get to the 18-year mark. And one of the things that I've seen with, with young adults and, and millennials um, is that there seems to be, even among what we would think of as godly Christians, there is a real, um, I don't even know how to put it, but uh, an uncomfortableness with some of the social positions that Christians mm-hmm. take. I mean, you know, it's where even kids that have gone to church who, who have made a profession of faith, who want to regularly attend church, they really struggle to say that homosexuality is wrong mm-hmm. and that a man and a man can't get married. And they're... You know, and it, it's kind of, it's a little bit surprising, you know, at first. Or, well, you know, if, if they want to live together, you know, I, they're, they're not, you know, sleeping around. Why does that matter? And it, it's just, it's interesting to see. And again, this isn't everybody. It's not across the board. But right. they're, you know, having worked, I, I worked for um, several years in college. And you get in the dorm life. And you just start having real conversations with people with, when the, when all the mask is, is pulled back. And, you know, you're, re- you're really going through what they're thinking. And there is just this sense, this this lack of absolute certainty and this lack of absolute truth has really, I think, infiltrated uh, our younger generation yeah. to an extent that I, I don't even know that necessarily some of the senior saints or the those who are older in the church would even realize or, or would be shocked if they understood uh, the extent. And again, that's not to be an alarmist. That's not to say this is the you know this is the end of the church or anything like that. But just to say that really is a problem. Th- this whole idea of boy, I can I really say that? Can I right. say it definitively? Won't that make people not like me? Isn't that unkind? And uh, yeah, yeah. And I think multiple times I've showed a teenager, here's what God word God's word says about that. And if they say something like, "Yeah, but you're you're in a little bit of trouble there," because God God's word is absolute truth. And um, one thing that again I see often is uh, we we need to teach our young people how to read the Bible. Oftentimes. I'll, we'll read a passage of scripture together and I'll, know, I'll say, now what does that mean? And they'll say something that is almost like 
Christianese. Mm-hmm. God wants me to be faithful. And you're like, well, that's true. But <laughs> this passage has nothing to do with that. So what is God saying? Yeah. And so one of the focuses of my ministry and goals of it and prayers is that our teenagers love God's word um, and learn how to interpret God's word because it is absolute truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, another big general issue I see is just a breakdown of the home as well. If if the home is where the main discipleship is supposed to happen and mom or dad or both aren't there or are practically not there, uh, then uh, there's going to be a breakdown of discipleship. And if they hear one thing at church and then hear something else at home, it's really difficult for a young person to reconcile the two, especially for somebody um, who comes to church and then goes back home and lives in a situation where it doesn't live that that truth out. Um, so just in our culture, generally, the family's breaking down at, a, at an alarming rate. And uh, I think that's the bedrock of, of faith and Christianity, discipleship. Um, but then another big one that ties into our lack of hope is just a lack of community and relationships. Um, mm-hmm. the, a lot of lonely teenagers, because they're digitally connected, but they're not really connected relationally in fellowship and the church is where that's supposed to happen um, and when we, when we come together according to Hebrews 10 24 and 25 we're supposed to consider each other and fellowship is supposed to be happening um, and then it's amazing even from a secular standpoint if you read some of the resources out there how the, this digital connection is resulting in a greater loneliness and that it does because there's a there's a never-ending comparison there's a never-ending black hole of attention and approval and you know comparisons mm-hmm. and somebody's always doing better than you and somebody always has more likes and more followers and more retweets and um, you don't really have good substantive connections you know even uh, during this uh, this whole pandemic you know I'm so thankful that you know that at this point in history we have all these resources to stay connected to people and I've been so thankful for them at the same time it is really highlighted to me like I miss um, just yeah. seeing people I saw uh, one of my singles just a few minutes ago because we were in here recording and uh, they're a teacher at the school and it just, I mean, we, we said hello from across the hallway and it just, you know, felt so good to see somebody that I know. Right. And um, unfortunately, there's a false sense of, of community and a mm-hmm. false sense of, of belonging that these things give. And so, you know, yeah, teens, and, and I'm seeing it with the singles as well, they get they get really far into it and then they realize, boy, I'm, I'm lonely. <laughs> yeah, we were created to be relational. I mean, you go back to Genesis 2. God saw that Adam was alone, and it was not good. Um, it's not good for us to be alone either. Um, quickly, I know we're running out of time here, yeah. um, but trying to move into the church a little bit. Um, again, I've alluded to this a little bit, just the lack of biblical thinking. Uh, we know the the facts, and our, our Christian um, teenagers know what they're supposed to think, but how to apply that to where the rubber meets the road when they are on social media or when they are watching a movie or when they are talking to their friends or hanging out with their friends. Um, there's so much out there that they're getting bombarded with daily. I mean, you and I did not have information being pushed to our pockets <laughs> by uh, a lot of different apps or programs when we were kids. And we used to have to go looking for <laughs> for things to influence our thinking and now it just gets, it gets pushed to them. So really, again, a goal is uh, to get them to think biblically. Good. Well, I 
think that about wraps it up for our time. Did you have anything else uh, closing-wise that you wanted to add or any other thoughts? Yeah, very quickly here. Um, and this kind of just is in wrap-up and overlaps a little bit with my goals as a youth pastor. Maybe I can speak a little bit more generally here. Uh, one thing that I really try to do is aim for the heart. Um, when we focus simply on externals, then we're missing the mark. Jesus often called the Pharisees whited sepulchers because they looked really good on the outside, but their heart wasn't really changed and affected. Um, and when Jesus was asked about the most important command, love God. Um, and then I, I think a goal of mine as a subset of that is love for God's word. Uh, Psalm 119, 165 um, says that they that love God's law, uh, they'll be at peace. And so that's a big goal and aim is aim for the heart, love for God, love for God's word, and then love for people. Treat your neighbor as yourself. Um, I tell them often, there's two things you can invest in on this earth that are going to last forever, God's word and people. Um, we have to instill hope, and our youth group motto is know God and support one another. Because as you know God, you'll love him, and you'll want to serve other people. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Brandon. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, appreciate your work with our teens. Yeah, appreciate you having me. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Podcast.